0: Come on, tell me. Violet, right? Her name is Violet Beauregard. Now, Violet is from the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory for those of us who saw the original. And then Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for those other people. Um, But Violet got into that state. How did she become a life size blueberry? She ate an experimental piece of gum. And why did she do that? Because she wanted to be the first person to ever taste this gum. Her pride caused her to become a life-size blueberry, so that in order to return to regular form, she had to be juiced. (laughs) Good morning, and welcome to Bridgewater. My name is Josh. For those of you I haven't had a chance to meet, I attend the Montrose campus. Um, I'm a banker here in town. And no, we're not talking about money today. They always bring me in when we're talking about money, but not today. Um, uh, Tomorrow I celebrate my 24th anniversary. So clap for my wife, who's not here, because she put up with me for 24 years. I have three kids, three teenagers, so good grief. Those of us, yeah, I need like prayer and money for that because teenagers, uh, yeah, they keep me busy. Um, But we are in a series called Unoffendable. And in our lives, sometimes we're like Violet. And don't worry, we're going to get back to Violet. We're going to talk about her uh, a little bit more. But we live in a world where we get offended, right? Somebody says something to you and who? That just pushes your buttons, right? Somebody does something against you. Mm. You feel it? Somebody posts something on Facebook, you don't even know them. And oh my goodness gracious, you are just lit up because they offended you. It doesn't take much in our life for us to get offended. Now, if you're joining us uh, in in the middle of this series, this is week three in a series called Unoffendable. And we've been talking about choices that we can make to help us as we live our lives and to be unoffendable. In our lives, we approach every day and, and those things, little things, They just cause us to get upset and to get offended. I mean, somebody cuts you off in traffic. And yeah, I mean, come on now. I'm not the only one. I drove 45 minutes this morning, so maybe I get the award. I don't know if there's an award for that. But if there is, there's a lot of people up and about at 6.15 in the morning. Um, But, you know, don't they know who I am? I got to come preach. Why are they cutting me off? I can get offended very, very easy. But is that the way Jesus wants me as an apprentice or as a disciple, is that how he wants me to act, to get so easily offended at things? So this morning, as we, as we start, I want to actually pause the unoffendable idea, and I want you to think about your ears anybody think about their ears this morning? Yeah, not many people. There was one guy this morning. Adam and I had a conversation with him about his ears. Ironically, we were going to talk about the ears. Um, So the other day I went to the doctor and he says, Josh, you're in your mid-40s, which by the way is extremely rude. I'm only 44. It's not mid-40s yet. But he says to me, Josh, you're in your mid-40s. You need to have your ears checked. So you know what happened as I scheduled my appointment and I waited for that appointment? You know what happened? My ears started bothering me. Like my glasses felt funny on my ears, like a dull pain was there. And so I went, I went to the doctor and he, I said, Doc, my ears hurt. And he goes, you're fine. I'm like, well, why did my ears hurt? He says, because you were thinking about them right? Because because the the attention was drawn to something that was there and has been there the whole time. See, we all have things in our lives that we just don't think about until something irritates them or something bothers them, or we begin to have attention drawn to that thing. Uh, The theologian Tim Keller says this, when talking about an inflamed joint or a painful body part, He says, this is precisely how the human ego works. It hurts when it's inflamed. Sure, it's always there. Everyone has an ego. But when it's oversized, it's constantly being injured or threatened. When it's all about me, I'm constantly aware of myself, bracing myself for ego or injury. In other words, we all have an ego, right? I mean, let's be honest. We all have an ego right? (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Feel it. So we all have an ego and sometimes that ego gets bumped and we get offended. And we don't always recognize our ego until attention is drawn to it. So if nothing else this morning, I want to draw attention to your ego. I want to draw attention to something that we all have and that if you're a follower of Christ this morning, you should be struggling with you should be wrestling with this ego too often we think we get offended but in reality our ego just got bumped our ego got offended you know at work somebody gets that promotion that you worked really hard for you've been there six years and the person who's only been there 18 months they get the promotion what do they do? I literally had a customer of mine call me. I didn't say this in the first service. Had a customer of mine call me, not making it up. He said, don't they know who I am? I'm a millionaire. Don't they know who I am? It, it, things in our lives, they, we, we get built up and, and things offend us. So what do we do? When our ego gets so large, when we ourselves become like Violet and we are puffed up, what do we do? Well, of course, we're going to look at scripture and we're going to look at a couple of sections in in the New Testament where the apostle Paul, who if you're taking score, like if there's a scorecard, he wins, right? He did everything that you can do and he did it better than I do it. And, and, and yet he addresses consistently humility. He addresses these churches. He wrote these letters to these churches because in case you haven't noticed, churches are full of egos. Not, not here. Definitely not in the second service of Tonkanic, Maybe the first and the third, um, but not this one. But churches are full of egos, and so Paul actually addresses very directly how we are to live like Christ, and we do that by dying to ourself, dying to our ego, and pursuing humility. So as we look at what is humility, I, I've, I wanted to come up with a, a really succinct definition And and this is the best one I could come up with. Humility is honestly assessing ourselves in light of God's holiness and our humility. Honestly assessing ourselves in light of God. Too often, and I'll say me, I don't compare myself to God. I compare myself to Adam. And you know what? What? I'm more humble than Adam. On a scale, my humility is up here, and Adam's is way down here. I am basically the most humble person I know. We laugh, and yet, come on now, that's what we do. We don't compare ourselves to God. I compare myself to another imperfect person, and of course I'm better than him. In my eyes, that's what we do. We continually allow our ego to to impact our decision when we think of another person. But but this morning, we're going to look at how we can say no to our ego and yes to humility. And and if you're taking notes, we're going to give three ways or three reasons that if you're here and you're a Christ follower... If you want to be like Jesus, then these, we're going to give you three ways that you can do this. And if you're here this morning and you're just checking out church, you came for the snacks or somebody promised you lunch afterwards, sit back, relax. This is not for you. This is for people who want to be more like Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at chap, uh, Philippians. And so in your Bible, it's going to be on the screen. We're going to be in chapter 2 of Philippians, starting in verse 3. And it says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So Paul addresses right from the beginning. He says, I'm going to talk about your ego. All right? Because if you want to say no to your ego, if you want to be offendable, and if you're taking notes, this is the first point. Become offendable by thinking of others. Thinking of others. Paul, in other words, says, if you want to be like Jesus, you can't be like Jesus by thinking of yourself. Welcome to church, right? You can't be like Jesus if all you think about is you. That's what Paul is addressing here in Philippians chapter 2. It's easy for us to live our lives like we are the center. You don't have to work hard at that. That is ingrained within us to be the most important person in the room. If you don't believe me, go work in the little kids' ministry, right? What happens? That's my toy. It's not for you. I don't care that you had it. It's mine, right? I am the most important person in the room. Paul is addressing that right from the beginning that we, in order to to be more like Jesus, we have to say no to our ego. Following Christ requires a completely countercultural mindset. You don't believe me? Watch TV. Whatever you're streaming right now, what are some of the themes? Treat yourself, right? You do you. You are the center. It is all about you. That's the message that society and culture is, is screaming at us, that we are the most important person. It is not what you want. It's what I want that matters. When I think about myself only, it, it really impacts my relationship with God. I look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It tells us in verse 14, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he, Jesus, died for all that those who should no longer live for themselves but him who died for them and was raised again. See, see, Christ died for us, and so because of that, because Jesus died for us, I am now challenged to live for him. And you know what's going to happen if I'm living for Christ? You know who's not going to be at the center of my world? Me. See, other people are going to be at the center of my world. I'm going to pursue others. I'm going to think of others constantly. Paul continues in Philippians chapter 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. See, what Paul is saying is, if I'm going to be like Jesus, if I'm going to pursue Jesus, then what I have to do is serve others. Because the second thing that is going to help us become unoffendable is being a servant. You can't be like Jesus if you're not serving. Josh, I don't know where to start. Cool. Come in a couple weeks, you're going to get a sweet orange T-shirt and we're going to help you serve other people. You can go into the kids' wing and they're going to definitely help you be more like Jesus, serving people. You don't have to look far to serve other people. But again... Our culture and our society says the exact opposite. Only will I achieve the the pinnacle when everyone serves me. When I have somebody to do that, I have a guy for that, I have a company that comes and takes care of that for me, I don't have to do anything. I don't serve anyone. Everyone serves me. That's what our society says. Pursue that life. You don't need to serve other people. That's beneath you. Now, come back to Violet here. Can you imagine her ability to serve other people? How effective do you think she would be trying to physically serve someone else? You know, Jesus gave an example to his disciples of washing their feet. Could she even bend down? No. See, see, when you're in that state, you can't serve. Ironically, if you look at it conversely, when you're in that state, so, so if, I'm, if I'm like Violet right now and I'm, I'm large and in charge, how effective is Adam at getting close to me? How, how easy is it for Adam to serve me? Could, could you serve her and really get to know her and really connect with her? Well, no, because when our ego is built out, not only does it affect our ability to serve, but it also affects others to serve me. I, I, am, I am causing Adam to not be, be able to be obedient to the same command. And I'm robbing him of that joy that comes from serving. It's interesting to me when we describe our ego, the words that we use, what do we say? When when someone's chest is what? It's puffed up, right? Or man, their ego is really inflated. We're, We're building out this picture. That's what it's like when we are only focusing on ourselves. But we need to be able to say no to our ego and yes, and yes to humility. The third reason that Paul says that we have to choose to say no to our ego is this, that we, in order to become unoffendable, we have to have submissive sacrifice or As Paul would say, you can't be like Jesus without submissive sacrifice. You can't. You can't be like Jesus. And and in Philippians 2, the the passage we just read, I really have a love-hate relationship with this verse because it talks about what Jesus did in my place. And it says, And being found in the appearance as a man, he, Jesus, he humbled himself. He chose humility by becoming obedient to death even to death on the cross. Jesus was the only person to ever live this life who could have said, it's all about me. It's not about you. You need to serve me. Jesus is truly the only person to ever live this life who could have said that, and yet he chose humility. And that humility played itself out in the form of of sacrifice. See, he died a death that I should have died. He paid a price that I should have had to pay. And he did that for me. He knew who I was going to be, and yet he still did it. If that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will, because trust me, I'm a pretty awful person. And they let me stand up here. <laughs> Jesus pursued humility by being sacrificial. And yet, what is our response when someone offends us? Oh, I'm going to get them back, right? You push my buttons. Oh, we're, gonna, we're not going to get even. No, no. I'm going to win. That's just the way it is, right? I am going to win. And Paul, he he drops this truth bomb on us that I just don't know that we all can really understand, but I'm going to read it anyways. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 6. When we get offended, when we get wronged, when when we get insulted, this is what he says. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? They put your, their fence six inches on your property line. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? But Josh, that's mine. I pay taxes on that. Why not rather be long, wronged? I mean, I mean has, has anyone ever been wronged before? And our response is what? We're going to not pursue humility. We're going to pursue vengeance. But Paul challenges us to be like Christ and pursue humility. There's great benefit in that being that we're more like Christ. So how do we get from where we're at today? What does it look like to pursue humility? What does it look like to to have that point in our lives where we say no to our ego and yes to humility? Maybe in your marriage, maybe in your marriage, you find a place to admit you're wrong. Any guy ever been wrong in here? Trust me, your hands should go up because guys, it's your fault it's, it's definitely your fault. Probably 100% of the time, like I've been married long enough to know it's my fault. I did it wrong. Admit it. Admit it when you're wrong. And every once in a while, and I'm going to kind of not look at anybody, ladies, sometimes you're wrong. <laughs> Guys, don't look at your wife and like no elbows. Pastor said you're wrong. No, admit when you're wrong and when you're right. Right? Don't make a big deal about it. That's choosing humility. Maybe, as you think about the things that have to get done in your household, we've all got that list, right? And on your list of things that have to get done, there's some things that you love and some things that you hate. And I bet your spouse knows your list, knows the things you love, also knows the things you hate. Think about your spouse's list. The things that your spouse hates, do those things for them. Choose sacrifice. Choose service. If my wife is listening, don't mow the grass. That's my thing. But do the thing that they hate, right? Do that thing and serve them. Maybe at work, you own your mistake. This week, my boss emailed me and he said, "Um, Josh, did you get this email? Because you put this on the report, but it's absolutely wrong. Did you get this email? Now, I had two choices, right? I could be like, nah, what email? Even though it's like addressed to me, like it's very plain there. I had to admit I was wrong. And so I said, yes, I got the email. And yes, I completely ignored what was in it. That's countercultural. That's countercultural. That is that is putting my ego aside and choosing humility, admitting when I am wrong. This morning I would make a venture that there's someone in your life that you've just rubbed wrong, or they have rubbed you wrong. And there's somebody that you're struggling with. How do you choose to say no to ego and yes to humility? Think about that person and serve them. Serve them. Do something for them. Another thing that you can do, and this is very, this is hard. Like I'm saying these things and I'm thinking of that person and I'm like, how am I going to make this happen? That person, that same person, come up with three things this week that you're going to praise them for. Adam, that new car you got, it is just so awesome. Awesome. It's, I didn't even know there was a car that could be that shiny. I didn't even know what color that is, but oh my goodness gracious, it is the coolest color in the world. You made the smartest choice you could ever make when you bought that car. For that person that you just, they don't, you don't get along with them, that's hard, right? But what would they think about you? They might think you're weird, but guess what, you're in good company, Right? Look, all throughout Scripture, people thought Jesus was whack. If they think you're, you're way out there, great, you're doing good. We are called to be like Jesus, and in order to do that, we have to be to the place where we are willing to think of others, to serve others, and be willing to pursue sacrifice. Let's pray. God, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your goodness to us even in spite of our failing, even in spite of our choices that we continually make that are against you. God, this morning, maybe there's somebody here this morning who has just been struggling with their ego, struggling with their pride, and right now they feel like Violet. God, I I pray this morning that they would find tangible ways to say no to their ego and pursue that humility, knowing that it's hard, knowing that it's not easy. But God, that is what you called us to do. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And we pray these things in his name, amen.